0: Hey, what's up? Andrew Kramer here in Ash Thor for The Collective Podcast. And welcome back to another very exciting show. We're gonna be talking to uh, Andrew Kramer about techniques for learning, what motivates him, balancing the world. And man, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So this is episode 151. Let's go ahead and get started.
1: So, um, yeah, we've been, we've been conversing for some time now and you've been, uh, a a quiet and, um, highly, you know, um, anticipated and requested guest to come on the show. So first and foremost, thank you for spending time with us today or me actually i say us, um, Andrew's not here right now, other Andrew, Andrew Harlick, but, um, yeah, thank you. I know you're busy and they got a busy life and all kinds of stuff going on. So thanks for being on the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you, uh, having me on, inviting me, and uh, it's great to be here.
1: It's funny. We've been working in the same kind of space and on very similar kind of projects for such a long time, but we've never really conversed, you know, maybe outside of like a couple tweets, like, cool dude, you know, (laughs) like thumbs up, Andrew, you know, like very casual conversation. So I'm really interested to kind of dig deeper and talk about some of these different dynamics. And there's been a lot of requests and questions we kind of asked the audience um, the other day you know, we're, Hey, we're going to have Andrew on you guys. Have any questions? And there was a lot of responses to that. Um, you have a lot of people that love you
0: though. You have a huge positive following. That's really great, man. Yeah. They're super supportive and, you know, like ever since the beginning of video copilot, their sort of, uh, energy has sort of helped fuel my focus on coming up with new things and innovating on new things. So, uh, I definitely owe a lot of the success of video copilot to that sort of energetic visual effects community. And so I definitely have to say thank you to everybody who's listening and everybody out there that's uh, getting into it as well.
1: Yeah. it almost feels like the energy that you have and that you're putting out to the world is like, you're getting it back in tenfold.
0: Do you feel that same way? hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And I don't think you, you, you can always have a personal drive for the things that you want to do and the things that you want to accomplish. And there's nothing like having the exterior sort of world, you know, give you feedback and, you know, help give you ideas and, and just kind of seeing what everybody's doing. You know, it just helps when you're not feeling that sort of hundred percent energy to get back on that thing and to come up with something that, you know, will blow people away, or you know, you want to be able to show someone a new way to do something, and that sort of focus can only come from sort of that community, uh, you know, guidance and and inspiration. Yeah,
1: definitely. There's a weird synergy that happens, and it's really quite interesting. I I was born in '83. So I was like before the cell phone, you know, like I think the internet was probably around, but it was just nowhere, nece- like nobody's using it properly at that point. But it's mm-hmm. really interesting to see it kind of, even as myself as a as an artist and designer and all, whatever, um, watching the industry itself change and the internet itself as a tool, as a, as a device to kind of connect with people. Um, there's a really great positive side to it, which I think what you've noticed. And there's also like the negative side to it. But um, we'll talk about both and kind of, you know, one, one or the other, but it's really cool. I agree with you. There's a really interesting community and there's, there seems to be a really great community around, um, people sharing ideas and concepts and learning a lot. Um, is that kind of how it started for you? Or is it just, what, wh- where did this all kind of start this video copilot, and, and also where did the name stem from and, and all that kind of stuff, the origin story basically.
0: Sure. Well, you know, like this podcast, like getting a chance to sit down and talk to other professionals about what we do and the specific things that we run into and how we can get better at them and what are other people doing to solve these problems there's always that typical kind of you know you try to explain to somebody what you do you're a visual effects artist or you're a motion design designer you know what do you do well uh You know, the graphics and, you know, like it's always you never quite know the way to describe. I say I manage a grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) I just throw people off now. I don't even bother. Yeah. but it's difficult. Yeah. And so to be able to talk to other people about what you're so passionate about. And that's sort of how Video Copilot got started. And yeah, this was in the days before YouTube. uh, You know, I was one of the uh, creative cow uh, After Effects people. Mm. And early on I was doing tutorials basically on things that I learned how to do. And it was always just looking at the community and seeing people wonder about how you would create this. And I think movies like the matrix and other visual effects kind of based movies were popping up and people just wanted to know, how do you take, how do you do that? How do you do that? And I sort of thought, man, this is what I want to do. And I might as well learn how to do it. And simultaneously, I was creating the tutorials to sort of share it with other people and hopefully help sort of build my skill set up so that I could also continue creating movies, creating software, which is where we sort of got into in a in a big way. And it's sort of a natural way because yeah. you you want to create something and then there's not a great way to do it or it's really expensive to do it. That was always something that inspired me to create stuff that's easily accessible to people, make tutorials that are free, that people can watch, create stuff that will encourage people to learn. And if you can create a tool, a software, something that really helps people do something even more innovative or or, or quicker or faster, and you want to hire a programmer and put that together, that people will be willing to support that side of your business. But at the same time, you always want to be having real value. And especially now the internet, nobody falls for these sort of fake value things. Like, you know, you go to a website and it's got like a free section and it's like some random stuff that nobody is really interested in. I've always wanted to be able to offer stuff that is real value so that people are encouraged to learn. And that's like the best way to not stop someone who is inspired to learn something. And then they realize, oh, I can't, I need that software. I have to buy something. And any kind of discouragement why people are learning is never a good thing. Yeah. of course, I mean, because learning is basically failing, you
1: know, and you have to be comfortable in the fact that you're going to fail. But it's it's an understanding that journey and knowing that at the end of this experience of failing, you're, you're going to get there to somewhere that you want to. Basically, you're going to transform. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, yep. you, and the Internet's a great tool that I've noticed for me personally, as I learn, is because you're instantly able to access other people from across the globe and you're able to like get into their mind and see how they work and dissect how they work. And um, you have a really great way, I think, of communicating Normally, very complex things. How long did it take you to kind of have that flow with education and getting people energized and excited? Um, how many Tony Robbins videos have you watched? I mean, like <laughs> yeah, I just have them on
0: loop in the background, <laughs> just playing in your sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember the very first tutorial. I did. I remember trying to be very professional yeah, because I wanted to sort of be like some of the other tutorial makers that were doing it at the time and be very professional and very, you know, paced. And it wasn't maybe about five or six tutorials in, I started being Mm -hmm. a little bit more like myself basically. Mm. And strangely, people seem to respond a lot more to that. And of course, you're doing some very intricate things and to just keep it light, keep people focus on what you're doing it's a lot like doing a speech or something you know there there are things that are not extremely exciting but if you start the video with welcome to a very exciting tutorial then you've sort of brainwashed them into believing that yeah well sort of sure but
1: in reality that's what teaching is kind of too as well it's like not brainwashing but that has negative connotations but you're taking somebody through a journey basically you know so
0: in some kind of form so I was just kidding about the brainwashing. I'm brainwashing. Not. It's all about brainwashing. 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 <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. oh shit, we're doing it. Oh, crap, we're getting caught.
0: Yeah, so. you know, it's personality tutorials. though. I
1: think right. It's like putting your personality on there, and like, I think that personalizing it kind of creates an authenticity. You know, like if you, I guess. If you think, if I go back to like high school or college, if you ever had like, oh crap, I got to do history, I really hate history or whatever because you've had bad experiences with teachers. But you get that one teacher that really loves history and knows how to deliver it properly.
0: It's just, again, it changes your outlook, basically. It changes yeah, your totally, lens. Totally you know? Yeah, totally agree. And everybody has that one teacher yeah. that they loved. And it doesn't matter what subject it is, which proves that it's not the subject. That's boring. It's never a subject that's boring. It's only the way that you, you know, deliver that deliver. content.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I always make sure whenever I do a tutorial, I always try to come up with something that is an innovative or unique way to create something. And that way, so even if people are professional and they're doing this, they might be able just to see something as a unique, different way to use a displacement map or just have a little bit of a glimpse. But then for somebody who's beginning they're getting all of the steps start to finish so that they can complete the tutorial. Yeah. And even if a tutorial is only 30 minutes, the amount of prep that goes into it is sort of really sorting it out, like getting it down to the essential elements and not limiting it, but just getting it to the core understanding of what is going on. So some of the tutorials kind of may seem a little bit more casual, but it's just because the prep work of, figuring out all of the details and making sure that it flows together and that people can, you know, it's also, how do you start a project? Like how I design might be different than how I do a tutorial because a tutorial needs to have context for everything that you're going to do. Whereas a designer like you and I, we might, we already know where that's going to fit in and we're prepping things without context because we know what the end game is. But when you do a tutorial, you have to visually sort of lead people along the the pathway of everything that's going to be created. And that's really important for someone who's learning to see that, to know where they're going. And that's why I was trying to show people what we're going to be creating in the beginning so that they have a sense of yeah. where everything is going. Yeah. Where you're going basically
1: and having that route <clears throat> to kind of help them understand that this is where we're going to eventually be, you know, it's just, which is interesting. You're tapping into some really interesting things. I think that is synonymous with learning and online learning as well, which is like, where's the cool button, you know? Um, where's that cool button? <laughs> I, wanna, I want that cool button. How do I become you or how do I do that thing that you're showing me quickly? Um, and it, it is difficult, you know, like we talk about the, like an artist's intuition, uh, which comes from years and years of smashing your head against the wall, trying to figure out, you know, what works for you best, um, translating that and, and, and siphoning that down into, uh, you know, a... a a tightly wound tutorial can be very challenging. So I applaud you because your tutorials are lots of fun. There's a lot of interesting personality that comes in there. And I think it's really important. I think that's what separates you from basically other people, you know, which I think is really cool. And at what point in your, you know, teaching career, if you would call it that, I imagine probably would, um, is when you started to discover that, that personality started to shine through and then you started to really embrace it and then started to in- incorporate it into your overall flow and
0: delivering content. Yeah, I think I think it took a couple of years if I'm being honest. Yeah. I think once I understood that I could just be myself as long as I created good content. As long as I took the time to research and put together good ideas and deliver them, then I could be myself. And believe me, it was such a relief because trying to be sort of a professional teacher, uh, was not an easy thing to do. It's very challenging. Yes. So if you can be yourself, it's always going to be an easier way to, uh, to teach. And I think also it's just a natural way too. Like if you're sort of sitting with someone and you're talking about stuff and you're noticing things, or you're making a you know a joke here and there, and of course not to sort of distract from what you're what you're learning, but it keeps it more casual, it keeps it more uh, friendlier, so people don't feel like they want to go watch a quick video that they see referred to on the side of the YouTube tab. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: um, we're constantly uh, the attention deficit you know uh, era, which is kind of a, a bummer, but at the same time, like um, attention and information is the currency of the day, you know, and making sure that people are, are interacting or engaged with what you're making. It it can be very difficult and it's cool. I, I appreciate the honesty because I know it does take a long time. It does take years to figure out your cadence and flow and how comfortable you are in your own skin and being out there and open. Was there, has there ever been moments of doubt in your mind when you're releasing something or, um, you're kind of putting yourself out there and, um, you just, you know, just that doubt of being rejected or the failure, if you had that?
0: Sure, of course. I, I think it comes in it comes in a couple of different ways. And partly when you have some success, it creates standards, it creates expectations. Yeah. And the video copilot community is amazing and they are the ones, like I said, that help push it. But sometimes it's hard to sort of maintain that level. And it's not that you can't do it. It's just that it's very hard to consistently do it in the same amount of time that you'd previously did it. Mm. So in the idea, and believe me, let me just first start off by saying there's no question that the consistency and some of the things at Video Copilot have not been ideal. And there's a lot of different reasons why, and I could probably write a whole book on that, and that book will probably never even come out. But (laughs) the main thing is you wanna create something that's really good and you say, all right, um, say take like Sabre, our free plugin for sort of these energy light beams. We had this plugin kind of being developed as more or less a Sabre, a lightsaber plugin. And as we're developing it, I didn't feel like the glow was good enough. And so we must have spent two weeks minimum getting the glow right. And it's not just about what the glow looks like. It's about how the glow looks when you increase the radius, how it falls off, how, how can you control a glow like that? And we, we like to sort of set deadlines for ourselves. And that is really useful and really important to actually finishing things. But at the same time, you know, when when you're trying to do a free plugin, you think, all right, well, what's one more week because I can make it this much better. If I can just fix these two things or add these other two features, people will understand. So that extra week comes and then you're like, oh, you know what? I need some more noise options and I need some distortion. And then, oh, you know, what would be cool if it could work with masks and text layers. You sort of discover all of the possibilities. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a technologist, if you will. I, I create software. So I'm always thinking of how something could work and how you could simplify something. And so what happens is you want to create something and as you're working on it, you realize how much better it could be and how much, if I just spend one more day, if I just do a little bit here and then next thing you know, a week blows by and, you know, eventually it comes out and people have been, you know, the response has been really great to to that plugin and to the effects console plugin and it just really goes down to the 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 time it takes to create quality tools just con- consistently grows. And you can't just say, all right, let me make something and release it because you're always going to find ways to improve it along the way. Mm, yeah. And constantly wanting to improve it, too.
1: And it's cool like when you can kind of lift the hood. I'm, a, I'm really into cars, so maybe it's a similar analogy. I'm not necessarily into software and, and coding and all that kind of stuff probably should because i know it's an interesting avenue but um i guess it's like lifting the hood and seeing what the factory's given you and then you go hmm, i wonder if i can make a better plenum or a way that this could transition or to get colder air here or adjust the turbo balance or something like that or the, the up the boost on here to get more horsepower or whatever it might be um, but seeing those possibilities is it's always really revealing and really quite interesting because oftentimes when you get these things from the professionals or the corporation, you're like, okay, this is the end all be all right. Cause these are like thousands of people behind this effort. But then when you kind of see it, like, Oh, there's just humans behind this and there, there could be better ways of doing these different things. It's gotta be pretty liberating, huh?
0: For sure. And especially working on my own projects, my own shorts and things like that is you run into interesting problems. And, and so you, you recently did, uh, like a couple of short films, short pieces, and you probably know the feeling of working on something and realizing that you can make something a lot better, or you can change something that was planned for one way and change it into something totally different. Yeah. It's liberating. It's yeah. But at the same time it has, there's this sort of like endless possibility of, Things that you can do to make something better, never and (laughs) never ending, (laughs) and that's something that I'm working on getting better at. And I think as much as you want to sort of do everything and make everything as great as it can be, you know, there's also something to be said about having consistency and creating barriers so that you can share the ideas and the concepts you have more frequently and and get things out. So. You know, like you look at something that you spend a lot of time on, or I guess I think about with plugins. Sometimes you create a plugin and people maybe just use the plugin, like say optical flares, like you put a lens flare into a shot and add some text and you put it into a movie trailer. I always think that just because a plugin makes something easier to do, you should take that time that you save and put it back into another aspect of the work that you mm. otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I rarely ever use plugins just default.
1: I always augment it to different things because I feel like it's good to know. Um, cause I figure if I'm using this one thing, then there's a million other people behind me using the same thing. So it's like in my best interest to kind of break it down and try to find out the nuances that fit best to me like a tailor-made suit but everybody has it to each his own you know so yeah I I, I think there's just there's just a different practice to it though but you're right I mean it's time efficiency is real estate time efficiency which is great you know it's really smart to use it to think
0: like that well software has come a really long way so like everything is always getting better and we can't think back to a time before software had the capabilities that it currently has but just as everything is improving and just as the tools are becoming more available and simulations and particles and fume effects and all the different things are becoming available the bar continues to rise and at the end of the day it still has to be designed and you still have to have an idea and you have to deliver and and, and you know convey a message with whatever you're creating so the tools will always get better, but you know, your vision and, and what you use that for will always stand out more than even the coolest simulation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's, I don't know if you agree with, it's something I have always attested to and it goes all the way back to like our observation of the known world and the master painters or whatever, um, is that we, understand an um an unspoken language of time um investment and we value that significantly and you can see it and you feel it in work and especially if you're doing things in motion you feel it much more than just a still life or still image but there is a uh, you don't have to be a master painter to look at some a painting and go wow that's really great to see years and years of of that person's life dedicated to that one focused point of, of craft basically. And I think that's, uh, goes and ties the line, uh, in line really well with the idea of, of having plugins and augmenting them and using them to tailor made custom, like for what you need it to be basically, which I think is really important,
0: you know? So, yeah. That reminds me of when you look at somebody's work and you see just the intricate details and you think, wow, what, um, you know, What plugin did that person use, or how did they create that? And then you find out oh, well, each one of those is an individual layer, and everything, you know, it's frame by frame animated. And, you know, and you understand that it looks like it's a lot of work because it was a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe what's cool is that there's probably a lot more motion designers and 3D animators now. And, being on Instagram and you see just some incredible work and just everybody uh, posting these amazing daily renders, uh, you know, like people and I mean there's just there's so many and you think this is just amazing that there's so many people that are creating stuff. But you know what it does is it 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 just makes a larger pool of people who appreciate the amount of work that people put into stuff. Like before it's a little bit of about like, you don't quite know how it was done and it just, you know, it's cool because it's different. But I think there's more people now that know how much work that was and they see how many details and how many layers and how many, you know, parts that that's made up of that it's in a way like people like us, we can look at certain types of work and really appreciate it more than just uh, how it, you know, just more as just in, in the art form but that actual work that went into it.
1: Yeah. I like your outlook. It's very positive. I think I've heard it from the opposite. Like there's so much oversaturation and everything sucks. You know, I've heard that from people too, but I think that you're actually right. I think people are just being uh, uh, um, aware and um, open to, to just that much more art and that much more creativity and also just being able to see what they like you know um, but then there's always like um, you know the the addiction to likes and the dopamine drop and all that kind of funny things that happened along the lines with that kind of stuff as well
0: but um, yeah I, we, I see that as a problem more in terms of the value of content and the likes I think is is one aspect that I see you know I think if you're focused on the quality of content you won't have to worry so much about True. Okay. Is that getting shares or anything like that? But what happens is people, you know, I think it's kind of goes along with the education thing a bit is there's so much stuff to look at. There's so much content to consume and how, you know, how do you encourage people to create something that is sort of beyond a daily render? like what would happen if you spent that month of working on a daily render and put it into something that was connected together? Uh, that was a, that was a whole piece. It seems like there's places for this to go. And And I always try to be optimistic and I think the, the value of putting together something that is, that is larger and that, that goes beyond, a single thing is what's going to break through to that next level because people want to create more stuff. And if they have maybe, you know, if there's an incentive to create something that is longer and more interesting and that will, you know, maybe by effect will be shared more and people will check it out more and that will encourage more people to put more time over a longer period of time to create stuff instead of just, uh, you know, a short period of time.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, yeah, they're the everyday phenomenon is, you know, all due to Mike, um uh, people, which is great and it's awesome. But I, it's funny, I've had this exact conversation with a couple of my friends and who do every days and, um, they're like, yeah, she's do every days. And, and I said, nah, I do every days. I just don't share them with people. It's <laughs> like my short films, you know, or it's like, I'm working every day on a project or, um, cause I always have passion projects always, yeah. there's always a passion project active in my life, whether I'm actually doing it in the computer or I'm sketching it or I'm
0: thinking about it or writing ideas for it. It's just how I work. And so
1: I think well, you're the right. Problem,
0: the problem with Mike is that he does the everydays and he does passion projects and he works on professional stuff. So that guy's just destroying <laughs> it for all of us. <laughs> yeah, but it's
1: good though. Like it's good to have. Um, like I, I love surrounding myself with, with my friends like Mike and, and Vitaly yeah. and Miche and, and all these guys who are just like on that. They're at the top of that bell curve, you know? And for me, I love being around that because it's just like a reminder of how far away I am and, and how much more I have to go. But I love that because it's just a reminder of like, there's so much more to learn. And for me, it's like, that's so cool. Like it would be such a shame is if there was a, uh, an end to this thing. There's no such thing. There's never a master. Nobody ever is the best at this stuff. There's always going to be somebody that's better, either in the future or in the past. And it's just like, I love that humbling understanding. At least that's the way I look at it. Uh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, if they're really good, just unfollow them so that you don't have to see all the awesome <laughs> stuff every day. <laughs> or follow them and love them and find <laughs> out how to l- be like them and figure out what makes them tick, you know? like Yeah. that's.
0: I, I think for people who want to get into it, it, you know, you ask yourself, what what do you want to accomplish as an artist? I think the one a days are great because they sort of force you to try something different and to evolve on your own skill set. I've even kind of I haven't got into the one a day, but sort of one every now and then. and it has helped me to focus in on something different and try something that I wouldn't otherwise try and that's great for learning. So if people want to use that as a as a sort of forced education to, you know, keep them consistently trying new things, you just have to look at all of the different forms of creating and say what is going to be the best thing for me and what do I want to learn? How do I want to get better? And one of days I think does does that for a lot of people. People um, who want to create a film and they just want to create a short film making a short film is a great way to figure out all of the problems of creating a short film. By the way, I've figured them all out. No, <laughs> not even, not even close. Not even close. Every, every Nobody time knows. you do something Nobody new. Knows. yeah,
1: Yeah. So, and that's how it is. That's how it should be too. It's just like, what? I didn't even knew this, this problem existed, you know, until I had to hit it right on the face, you know? So no, I think that's a, uh, that's great advice. And I think that's really, it's, it's key. You know, I think it's really key to, um, the process of learning, I also think it's really important to, to fail and be okay with that failure. And if you don't want to fail in public, then fail quietly to yourself. And, the, but like, keep yourself, um, with your, your, your goals on it. And what you're talking about with like the everyday is there's this one thing I used to do with my friend, Sam, we used to, um, years back, which is really good. And I think the, what you're getting at is, is tracing your habits finding what habits are doing what and how to trigger them and also to identify them. Because a lot of times in life we go through habitual um, rotations, basically get up, you brush your teeth, whatever you read your email, you take a shower, whatever your routine is. Those are like commonplace, like common rituals that you do. Believe it or not, this the same thing permeates into everything that you do, which is design. You know, you grab the mouse and you do this certain move. And you don't use that hockey, you add that movement up on the screen, Mm -hmm. that real estate time, you add that up over a year, you've wasted four hours of your year or something just, you know, doing the lasso grab without not knowing, you know, what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so what my friend Sam and I would do is we do these 10 minutes, we'd call them 10 minutes, we get on Skype, and we'd say, okay, we're gonna make a movie poster, it was always like a design of some sort, something you can make in 10 minutes, we'd say, okay, we're gonna get here, we're gonna spend 10 minutes, We both go away, we do it, we have a title and a basic premise and then we go off and we do it 10 minutes and we just blast, just try to make the best thing as fast as possible. And what that did is it was very uncomfortable at times because you just fail and look like crap. But the cool thing is we'd be able to see instantly what types, like typefaces I was using, the, the common threads that I was using through all the things like, oh, I center justify or I lower put it or I put it right here or I end up using this texture a lot. And what you do is you instantly can see um, your go to's and you can kind of go, okay, I'm a creature habit really badly. I should probably switch it up a little bit. But um, that's a two way street. Sometimes, you know, I always think about when I talk about these kind of things, I always reference in my mind. Have you ever watched uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi? No, Uh, you should watch it. It's very good.
0: It's a documentary about a sushi master, the sushi place in Japan where, Oh yeah. And he pays attention to your left hand and he puts it down. Yes. If you're left handed. Yeah, I have seen that. Okay, Okay,
1: great. So you, you see his route is, is different from my route, which is he sits there and he focuses so intensely on that one thing. And he's just brilliant at it because he spent and dedicated his whole life to it. Um, for me, I'm like a jack of all trades. I'm trying to do all these different things and stuff. So there's different routes to it. And What I'm getting at is my way is not the right way. His way is not the right way. Your way, whatever
0: it is that makes you happy, is the right way. At least that's yeah. my, my thoughts. I don't know what you think about that. Well, you know, you getting on Skype and sort of sharing those 10-minute uh, sessions I think is really interesting and really cool. Uh, one thing I've been thinking about with Video Copilot and just sort of online learning in general, is that there doesn't seem to be a place or a way for people to learn collectively like it feels like forums aren't really no, the they're place no good. No. yeah they're no good they don't have that kind of connectivity anymore and and i've been trying to think about what what could we do at video copilot to encourage more of that connective and, and actually it's very similar to what you talked about with skype and this is just in the very early stages of, of planning, but one of the ideas was to create a participation challenge, right? Where you would sign up essentially, you know, not even really sign up, you just like queue yourself up and it would join you with say another person or two other people. And then there would be a, a challenge that would be delivered to everyone. Yep. And the idea was you get to work with someone that you've never worked with, with a different skill set that does different things, and you would then get together, talk about how you might accomplish this, who can do what, hmm. and everybody could sort of meld together their skills and share things with people who are beginners, and then people who, uh, you know, have never worked with teams. Like that was something that I actually have a hard time with. That is working with, like, how do you distribute the work? Like, creative work is something that you want to have your finger in every single facet. Yeah. But, in the reality is you can't do everything. And I think particularly on Star Wars, uh, you know, working with Jace and those guys, it was, it was sort of my, you know, beginning into understanding how you can fracture up Great designing and ideas, and get a lot of people to work at a high level in order to create a lot of a lot of you know finished work. Yeah, that's and that was just not sure, and and that's just something that I wasn't always you know doing, and so to be able to experience that and to solve the problems of of distributing that, like I think that's something that could be valuable for even people on the internet as a way to. And, and, you know, you're working in a group and hopefully that will sort of encourage people. And, and again, short challenges, things that people can accomplish, even if they have a job and things like that. So yeah. it's, it, it's an idea that I'm not hundred percent sure. And I'm sure it'll you evolve. Do it. you do yeah,
1: it. I, it's so funny you bring this up. It's almost exactly like verbatim. The things you're saying, we're going to be doing that at learn squared and learn squared is basically what you just said. It's like having two opposites teach one another and that adversity and that challenge of learning something, say you have like a fashion designer learns how to do ZBrush. It's like they've never used ZBrush before, but them with their high level mind and their mindset, and I having, think that's brilliant. It's that's, that's brilliant. That's how you learn because you learn under that pressure. You know that pressure, yeah. just like I gotta kill it. I gotta be great. Um, my stride and growth has just like gone up crazy because I have the resources. I have the great people. And I also have the audience that I'm feeding basically. So I have a lot of things to fill, you know, so, but yeah, you should do it. Cause I think, I think your audience would love that. Challenges are great. And I think um, you're absolutely right. I think there's a place for forums and it was the nineties and we're, <clears> we're forward. We got to f- move forward. And I think using Skype, go to meetings, all these different um, things that we have at um, ways of getting a hold of communicating with others around the globe. I mean, it's, that's i don't know for me i love making projects and i love making them with people that i admire and um i it's like oftentimes i do that all the time with friends and people that i've never met before we're like ah you know let's make something together and like okay cool you're in china all right i'm in san diego we'll figure this out somehow you know and then with that passion and something great comes of it you know so i think you're onto something great the challenge systems are really great i think it helps engage people and keeps them kind of focused, and I think it just builds your community. It builds purpose to it, you know. Instead of doing, and I'm again, I don't. I hope people aren't thinking we're we're poo pooing on the everydays or one a days. I think those are great, but having a purpose behind it, it's like that's unstoppable, you know.
0: So yeah, I think every, we just need to be able to give people different ways to learn. You know, you watching a tutorial is more of a passive way to learn. And a lot of people are extremely self-motivated and they can just take this information. And, you know, I've seen people who say, oh yeah, you know, I started watching your tutorials and you know, now I'm doing amazing, awesome things. And it's always nice of them to say, you know, thank you. And uh, I, of course, appreciate that. But it's the people who apply that sort of information and that knowledge into the work that they create. And it goes beyond learning the things that they can see and goes into the things that they want to imagine. And so it always comes down to hard work and with so much content and things on the internet, any way that you can help encourage people to participate and to create stuff, that's just gonna push their learning. So if it's the one a days, if it's the challenges, If it's the one-a-day challenges, I think we cracked the case yet.
1: Boom, boom. There it is. One-a-day challenges. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely. There's something that is interesting there. There, The dynamics and the psychology of human growth and development and learning and, and communicating ideas and dealing with that in the very abstract realm of artistic creation. I mean, it's such like crazy waters you know it really is you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. firsthand you've been doing this for years you know how i mean what's the thoughts i mean you got you have quite an empire now would you consider it an empire what you have
0: i mean i wouldn't consider it an empire but a you don't uh, seem egotistical, but like like a strong battalion a strong battalion all right awesome
1: and and is there something about is, is do you have that pressure and that weight on you does it is is it does it weigh heavy on you or does it feel great? Does do you feel like in life this is your purpose and you feel, you know, this is your destiny or do you feel that it's, it's a, it's a challenge for you at times?
0: Well, I think, I think both of those things. I okay. think this is absolutely what I love doing. And I always look at the challenges. I, I never like to get complacent. You know, you say, wow, we just created a cool plugin or we created a cool tutorial and, Now we have to stop innovating. I think by the time something comes out that I'm really proud of, I'm already thinking about the next thing. And right now we're in a period where we've been developing some new technology and some new innovative tools that we think are going to be super cool. And it's exciting to be able to show people what we've been working on because we've really been pushing the technological limits. And that is just so fun for me to see what's available, what tools are available now and how we can completely change the game on those and and add different, you know, methods of achieving certain effects or coming up with new faster workflows for people. So mm. as a, as a filmmaker as well, that, you know, it motivates me like I'll work on something and think there needs to be a better solution for this. And then it's back to the tools that we're working on. So in a way it's kind of being stuck in between two places, which can be frustrating. It can be frustrating to not be able to go all in on this one thing. Um, you know, a real life example, and this will be interesting, uh, for some of the video co-pilot people, um, who asked me the my favorite thing, which is where is Intercept, a short film that is taking way way too long to finish, mm-hmm. and it's you know I think it's not lost on me on sort of the craziness of the situation, but it's it's it, it's sort of what happens when you are a technologist type of person who sees a problem and wants to solve it and wants to implement it implement it into uh, you know, a vehicle, car rig. You know, we have some some car chase effects, and yeah, we want to be able to sure. So, we want to be able to create a better car rig, and that in itself is a whole sort of deal, which I won't get into all the de- all the particulars. But sure. I- in a way, it's it it's it's what's going to create the most innovative tools. But at the same time, it's a real challenge to try to balance both of those things out because you want to create stuff and finish it. But at the same time, you don't want to just, you know, throw stuff out there and not be proud of it or at least feel like you took, you know, big leaps in your own sort of personal skill set.
1: Yeah, it's difficult, though, right? Because I imagine you, you sound like you have a similar thing to me. is like a slight hue of perfectionism, I guess. Nothing is ever going to be at that level it's so hard i always remember the one thing that i always remember the the quote that helps me when i get stuck in these things i don't know if it's similar to you but i always remember john lasseter saying about pixar is like their films are never done they're just due and that kind of goes to like another section i wanted to talk to you about which is like planning That was a question that came up quite a bit from uh, the audience members is they're curious as to how you set your goals and priorities and do you plan daily, weekly, monthly, yearly? Um, how do you go about achieving all these things? Cause you have your family and you have your business and you also freelance. I imagine. Are you, Are you, is that how it works for you? Yeah. You, yeah so uh, you, you, you know, there's yeah. many hats that you're wearing. How do you man- manage that too?
0: Well, I've got some great advice on what not to do. Here we go. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me. Say yes to everything. (laughs) Yeah, just, okay, one more job, one more job. Yeah, that's okay. I can do that. (laughs) Well, I think people just need to understand that it's incredibly difficult. Like you have to just say, all right, everything that you want to be able to accomplish and balance it out is going to be a constant struggle. So one of the talks I did a couple of years ago and I talked about something similar, which is you have to sort of make the priorities in your life before you get stuck into the projects and the things that you want to do or don't want to do. So in terms of family, you have to sort of make that a priority. What is that? You want to make sure that you're, you know, putting them to bed, playing with them, hanging out, like whatever, whatever level of balance that you want to have, um, and that you can achieve, you have to, you have to set that up because if you get into a project and it really takes a lot of time and you start shifting things around in a way that is not necessarily healthy for you physically and otherwise. Yeah. So the, the thing for me is particularly for this, uh, you know, I don't know if I would call them passion projects, but things like our free plugins and things like short films or blog shows or videos is, you want to always be sort of producing stuff. So one of the challenges I have with running a business and working professionally like on movies is that I still need to kind of keep all of my employees and my team working on new things and developing new things. So I have to like, I'll I'll give you an example. So I'll be working on an edit or something and it's taking longer than I expected, and so then you have people sort of waiting around to you know, to, to work and to you know, get feedback or whatever it is. And so you don't want just a bunch of people not motivated and not having anything cool to do, so you need to have time to be able to really focus your vision and, and like for example, our software or tutorials we need people to edit, we need people to put content together or test software whatever. I always have to be the one who sort of gets that gets that train going. And so then in order to do that I have to take time away from say a passion project or take time away from another thing and it's always a challenge to get back into that thing because editing for example, you're familiar with the material, you're understanding the context, you're trying to figure out where this is going, you're and then you have to take a break to record a quick tutorial and and finish that idea up, well, coming back to it, you have to sort of reorient yourself. And so that's something that is just extremely difficult. And if anybody has any suggestions on how to solve that, no. (laughs) Actually, I think the answer to that kind of goes back to sort of something I mentioned earlier, which is you need to find people that can help support you for the things that you know take up most of your time, and does and that doesn't necessarily mean you know you need employees or you know maybe it's maybe it's just something to help manage your time, something uh, you know like an online uh, document or spreadsheet or something like that. But as creative people, we get into the zone and things get blacked out, yeah, and then you come Find out work. and <laughs> yeah. So if if you have a way to sort of help manage your time and 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 sometimes just kind of giving yourself a set a set time helps you shift on to that next thing and it was actually working for me pretty well where I was sort of working on uh you know visual effects 3 days a week jumping onto you know developing tutorial content 2 days a week and then doing editing and uh some of our blog show content and that was really useful but it just sort of when you have a lot of things at the same time, it's almost like everything just gets a little bit further along and then it feels like, okay, you're not making enough progress on one thing to get it out of the way. Yeah. And sometimes it's easier just to have uh, a more manageable set of things so that you can juggle them a little bit easier without having to you know, stop the juggling altogether.
1: Yeah. We're not multitaskers actually people. It's a, it's a, it's a complete lie. <laughs> it's no such thing. We don't, we can't do that. Literally like we can't fit. I mean, we do of course, like you can pee in text or whatever, you know, or you can drive in text. You could do that. There, there are those, but your in, um, your inability to be precise and your ability to have that focus is completely, um, fractured basically. And so um, that's true, and I think that's actually a good thing to bring up because I remember this brings me up to an idea when I remember reading uh, Steve Jobs' biography, and there was a moment in the company where they were all scattered. Everybody wanted to do different things. We need to focus on this. We need to focus on that. And what he did, he brought all like the powerheads to um, to the table, like I guess like a thousand people or something, and he he had them all kind of put out their suggestions so they were all heard. And then he, he, del- he, he kind of drove everything down into the top three focuses of the year. You know, we're going to do phone, we're going to do whatever it is. And I think that was probably what saved that company or helped spearhead the focus because, um, I think it's obvious that you can achieve and, and focus whatever you focus on, you could achieve it. Cause it seems like you're a manifester and that's great. The next thing is a matter of like, okay, what do I manifest? You know, like there's so many things out there that You know, if you're if you really understand how the fabric of things work, you're like, oh, now I can make anything. And then the problem is, is like, oh, shit, I can make anything, you know, and knowing what to do. I think that's really the difficult part. And again, to go back to what we talked about earlier, it's like it's so crazy because this is a never ending route. You know, Like there's there's a never ending journey, you know, like you're like, I got to this place. Oh, crap. You like get to the top of the mountain and you see another mountain uh, higher than the one that you're on now, far off in the distance. You know, it's like never ending. But I think setting priorities is really key and knowing what priorities are important. I have a a, a list on my Cintiq that reminds me of my priorities because I'm constantly not listening to them. Number one, sleep. The second one is eat and diet because if those are too, if those are bad, then I'm totally screwed. <laughs> Number three is loved ones. Four is client work. And then five is personal work. And I often don't do that. So <laughs> what I have it well, there just
0: to remind myself as much yeah, as the, possible? Yeah. I think health is something, uh, you know, I've been able to get a little bit back in control of and, you know, eating and trying to exercise. And I think that just goes to the whole, the whole work balance, like the more physical level and you kill yourself on the project and you put all this work into it, but you know, you can't just keep on doing that forever. And I think, I think as an industry and, you know, I think people need to kind of be aware of that. And, you know, like even to the kind of chair they're sitting in, what are they, you know, doing all day long? Like we want to be able to keep doing this and having a balance of your physical health, having a balance of what work you're doing. uh, You know, that's all stuff that is part of the same equation. And when you're young, it's a lot easier to just kind of power through it, pull the all nighters And that's sometimes will solve a temporary problem, but you know, that's, that's what I'm kind of getting better at, I think is just having a more manageable balance. I'm Mm -hmm. sort of just over the apex of insanity and (laughs) which is a nice place to be by the way. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Yeah, And, and seeing kind of the outlook is really good. I feel like, like, I feel like, where I can you know, distribute certain types of work to be, to be done and, and how we develop our tools and what projects that we do professionally. I, I have a much better sense of how I can manage that and still get things done. And that, you know, that's something that unfortunately, we all feel like we can do anything. And so it really is just, it's just a matter of being aware pay attention to what's going on while you're working on those crazy projects. And once you, it's like my kids, they'll go outside and they don't bring their jacket instead of saying, Hey, I told you to bring your jacket. You say, Hey, Hey, you don't put your arms inside of your shirt. I want you to be cold out here for a couple of minutes because this is going to help you remember to wear your jacket next time. <laughs> and we just need to just, Peek around the world during the kind of crazy moments and just try to think about how we can improve those the next time maybe we run into this problem or how can we avoid running into this problem.
1: Yeah, triggers. And we we, we both work in this similar industry, VizFX and all that stuff. And and it's a very hungry industry um, because it's it's naturally hungry because we love content and the faster we can turn out the content, the more people can consume. Um, unfortunately the souls of creatives gets completely smashed if you're not careful and it's all our own fault too. Like if you don't know how to manage yourself, your health, your diet, your time, time with family, priorities and all that stuff, that's really breaks down to, um, a priority problem basically. So I think that's, that's good. for me, it's, I, I have to have that reminder for those of you listening. That's how I work. Um, again, I will say that I don't always follow it because I might be lost in the world of Muse and being like, okay, I'm just, like the other day, like last weekend or Friday night, I think I stayed up till seven in the morning because I was just in Octane like, yeah, whoa, like, woo, like well, I could see all my stuff. And, and then, uh, I was like, gosh, shit, like I got to get up at 10 o'clock. So, all right, well, I'll go to sleep, get three hours. And it just, it kind of killed my energy and my focus and, and stuff that I needed to be there present for, you know, the people that I was with. Um, it's just difficult, you know, balance. Yeah. It and,
0: out. and I don't think that is ever going to change. Right? No, it'll it's, probably it's be like, like that forever. It's just forever. how I am. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's really a, uh, unhealthy though. Um, but well, the more good habits you have, the more good habits you have will offset that. Right. Hopefully, it's
1: like, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah that's the hope. How do you deal with your, your fandom? You have quite a big fandom. How, how do you deal with it? Do you interact with them? Are you, um, live on a certain feed? Do you do emails? I mean, how, how do you, you have a pretty big, I, I remember somebody saying like, you have like droves of people all f- surrounding you at these trade shows and stuff. I'm like, wow, this guy is quite a celebrity. How do you deal with that? Is it, does it ever get weird for you? Or is there, you know, is there any funny stories that you might have
0: come <laughs> along the way? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, look, I'll be honest. It's just fun. It's cool. The energy is fun for me. Right. So I'll go to NAB and do a show and we'll talk about uh, work and then afterwards people uh, from like all over the country cause it's Vegas so more people tend to kind of come out. But it's it's just sort of, it just helps to reinforce everything that we're doing. You know, again, you, you hear people talk about how they have a job now because they were able to learn from videos and things like that. And I gotta tell you, that never, gets old. Like it is like the greatest feeling to hear, you know, and people are just so genuine. They're just talking about like how they're, you know, like, like having a good job. I mean, that's life changing. And people telling you that because of some video tutorials that you made online, like it's not something you take lightly. And so for me, I'm always proud of those guys. Like I'm proud that those guys, you know, worked hard and were able to turn it into something successful. And I feel like that's always, the, the vibe, like it's, you know, I I guess I could compare it to sort of other types of fandom, right? Fandom of sort of like, uh, celebrities or really funny kind of YouTubers or things like that is that you, you can sometimes see people kind of turn on a dime or like they're, they're, they're fans of, of something that's entertaining. Whereas I'd like to think that as more of an educational resource, we, we've created a, a, like a different kind of fandom, like a different kind of community that's more uh, celebrates like learning and cool things and funny things and and interesting things. So we've created maybe a different type of community that just feels like whenever I, I meet people, it's like like it's like I already know them and and they're very you know, friendly and it, and it's just a very cool vibe. And I feel like I don't, I don't look at people like, okay, I got to sign a few autographs for an hour and then I'll, you know, get some sleep at the hotel or something like that. Like I always make it a point to stay, uh, as long as anybody there wants to say hi, I always try to just stay and say hi to people because it, do you let it get to your head or how do you deal with that? Oh, constantly, constantly. You're like I'm the uh, best. Your wife's like, no, here, pick out the trash. <laughs> I'm like, honey, get the karate kid song on. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's one? The, the, the one where he goes, gonna, he says, you're oh, the best. Oh yeah. <laughs> <around."> <laughs> oh, it's classic. No, so I good. mean, you know, it, I, I would say it gets to my head in a, in a little bit different way. Like it gets to my head in a sort of more of a nervous way. Like, Oh man, the expectations are insurmountable. I yeah. have to, uh, I have to deliver. Uh, one up the last thing. Yeah. One up the last one, and it's exponential. Yeah. As as it goes up, so. It's a hungry beast. I, I think, I think it's just because it's centered around something that I love. I feel like we're all participating in the same thing, mm-hmm. and I guess I get to be at the center of that sometimes, which is fun for me because I'm kind of a. A goofball or something like that. And so it's fun to just have an audience for some of the shenanigans. Like we'll do a blog show and like we're working on a new one right now where Sam gets his face melted off and we've filmed a bunch of like organic gooey slime and it's going to be <laughs> a lot of fun. And to be able to produce that episode and show people like genuinely cool tricks and techniques and do it in a way that is fun and entertaining there's nothing better and nothing funner for me to to do
1: yeah that's awesome so you're in your bliss basically finding that bliss and i think you're you're dealing with it quite well yeah as long as you don't let the pressure consume you you know so because you see that a lot with musicians or artists or just people in general that have that pressure of people that think they know them and they also expect a certain thing out of that person. It's just really difficult to kind of continually have that output, you know, um, taxing. It's a lot of work, but at the same time, that's, if that's what your bliss is, then it's no, it's not work at all. Really. It's just kind of, it's like exhaling air, basically breathing, you know? So, being in that bliss. How do you deal with um, negativity? Do you have, do you, do you encounter that at all? Like trolls or just people that are shitty on the internet? Do you encounter
0: that? And how do you deal with that? Sometimes. Well, first I do like a a lookup on them and find their home address. Yeah. And send them poop. Um, (laughs) I usually send them poop.
1: I I, I have a, I have a toilet and then I also have a bag for the trolls and I put the poop in there and yeah, I have a FedEx guy every day, picks it up and sends it out. (laughs)
0: yeah I guess I I don't know that I see I don't know that I see um too much sort of vitriol like it's not like I would say there's criticism sometimes Or like hey there's a mistake right here or you don't need to do it that way and I look at that and I'm like oh man this guy's right uh oh well or I'll try to fix that next time um I guess I'm somewhat lucky that I don't get the kind of just sort of general type of, I mean, now that I'm saying this, we'll see what happens, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Here they come. (laughs) Oh no. Grab the forks, forks. (laughs) pitchforks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, occasionally you'll see, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's funny sometimes. I I think, I think, you know, like I look at people that I admire, like movie directors and writers and people, and you see people, you know, the most awful things are said about them on the internet. And (laughs) like, I remember when I first started video copilot, we had a blog and that was like the new thing. Like people could comment on your website. Like before you just had like a counter on your website and uh, the geo cities website. Love that website. (laughs) And once you had like commenting, you could actually get feedback. And Mm. I always thought that was a cool thing. And even if it was like negative stuff, I always saw that any time somebody tried to respond to negative stuff on the internet, it was a complete disaster. yeah, you just I don't of, think there was ever a time where somebody addressed some negative comment and thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this situation by arguing with this person. And I was lucky enough to see how that happened very early on in the sort of commenting of blogs. And so I always knew to sort of avoid trying to, you know, (laughs) deal with that and look at, look at everywhere. It's, uh, uh, it, it just depends on the community that you're in too, right? Like there's certain types of subjects, uh, that get people more fired up. And if, if other creative people, like directors, and they can continue to create cool stuff in the midst of criticism or things like that, then you know, someone making fun of my crappy tutorial, uh, I'll, I'll try to carry on. <laughs> Good. I think it's a perspective then giving that
1: perspective value and just acknowledging what it is for what it is and kind of moving forward and just focusing on the positive again, perspective. So I just didn't know if there was ever a time where you just like had some, somebody hound you or give you like just shit and you're like, Oh man, what the hell? So that's been like a kind of uh, a common thread that seems to be coming up more and more these days on, discussions that i see and i always think that this is a an interesting platform to do to discuss such weird dynamics just it's kind of like people that are in their cars you know like people will talk a lot of shit or yell or honk or be an asshole in their car but when they get out of it they're quiet you know they don't do that or if you're in the grocery store they don't start stepping on your heels you know if so they're gonna get an elbow in the face or something (laughs) you know so um, it's the same kind of thing it's also just hiding behind the keyboard which is a sad thing there was this um documentary that i watched um, a couple of years ago called indie game and then there's a the next one the next version have you seen that film the indie game film I'm not sure i don't think so pretty good i mean it's, it's awesome it follows like these indie game developers as they're making their games and the trials and tribulations through it. it's
0: pretty cool it's very honest and well at least it feels honest but there's a second part to that that's pretty interesting pretty familiar actually I, I don't think i saw it but it's like where all the guys are like living in a house while you know and like working together um like in some like one bedroom apartment or something like that no nah, yeah, okay it's, maybe i saw a trailer for that or something, something else. like that i think
1: i've seen something that's like that too but i, I can't remember the name of it but yeah it's interesting This the dynamics and how these people are dealing with the internet and the gamers too they're just super gnarly so yeah uh another topic i want to talk about is like the concept of the underdog like i love the idea of like kind of how you built your career off the idea like okay like you are know, these people that are using like flame and all that stuff. And I'm going to try and use this smaller, quote unquote, smaller, less powerful to what people think program after effects and do similar quality. Um, is, is that part of your nature? Have you always been like that? Like the underdog kind of concept, or is this something that kind of evolved naturally
0: over the years? Yeah. I I think that was definitely one of the core, you know, elements of video copilot was how do we deliver something that's, more available to people. Like it started for me, I wanted to get into filmmaking and things like that. And you saw the cost of software. I remember one of the sort of big stock footage companies at the time was selling like a pack of like explosions. And it was like $600 or $800 for some stock footage. And I just thought standard definition, are you out of your mind? This is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And I figured, you know what, what if, I, you know, go out into the desert and have some fireballs and film some elements and create something that is more affordable and more available. And uh, that whole philosophy was exactly what motivated me. In fact, there is a little bit of a story that ties us together a bit. It was the first, okay my very first visual effects studio that I ever worked at, which by the way, has gone on to do some really cool work. So I guess they didn't need me. Um, I was working at a studio and they had like stock footage elements. I don't know how old I was. I was pretty young, maybe 18 or 19. And they had stock footage elements on their server of like smoke on a blue screen. And you know the idea was you could incorporate this into some of the visual effects work. And the supervisor was going over... The, you know, the the network and the servers and how the render the render farm, whatever. And he said, "Oh yeah, and there's an asset thing here." And I'm just looking at that, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And and he like looked at me, and like the, the whole tone of the conversation changed. And he he looked at me and said, "Oh, and none of this stuff leaves the computer network, you know, as if I was going to like download the network onto like a laptop and like <laughs> put it in my, but." <laughs> I just remember thinking, okay, I won't steal all of your guys's computer data, um, <laughs> for Edward Snowden. So there wasn't really a, a model for this. Uh, that's an awful joke, but I said it because I'm committed. All right. It's okay. But, you're going for it. So <laughs> <laughs> that moment was was um, was interesting because after um, I think I just was there for a couple of weeks, right? And. I thought, you know what, I want to create something that is available to regular people who want to create films and want to do editing. And the whole, everything that we've done has sort of been along those lines is how do we create stuff that's really cool and not feel limited by the software? Mm. And I know there's, you know, it's not so much of a debate anymore just because I think people have kind of grown to understand why After Effects is good for certain things, why Nuke is good for certain things. And so I think people understand it a little bit better. It's not about one versus the other, which is of course that it's so annoying. It's like, shut up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so I didn't think about necessarily competing. I just wanted to take the tool that I thought was the most accessible to people and focus on creating stuff that didn't have limitations. Mm. How far could you take the software? with the plugins, with the things that are available. And you know, there's something to be said about sort of the success of Video Copilot. And you know, for me personally, to be able to get into digital graphics and video without having to spend a lot of money, obviously that'd be something that other people would be interested in as well. Because at the time, who knew how many people were into sort of digital video editing and stuff, there wasn't YouTube and hits and you couldn't really track what people were interested in. And so once that sort of sprung off and you could just see the amount of excitement from people to be able to see a tutorial and see like, wow, I didn't know I would be able to do this or this really opens up my eyes. It's always funny to see people watch a tutorial. Um, actually, okay, this is, this is an interesting comment that I read. Somebody said, uh, it was actually the recent water drop tutorial, and someone commented, They said, Wow, when I first saw the preview, I thought, Wow, this is amazing, this looks like real stock footage. And then I watched the tutorial, and it kind of looks weird to me now. (laughs) Of course, it does, And, (laughs) and the idea of once you see how something is created, it yeah. sort of demystifies it and, and you no longer, it's not to say that you don't have the appreciation for it, oh, it but it changes the dynamics. So completely, yeah. completely. It's, it's like, like magicians
1: imagine. don't show their shit. Usually yeah.
0: you know, they don't want to cause it ruins their position in the world, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like you look at a trick and you say, wow, that was amazing. And then you say, look, I just did this. And then it's like, Psh, what a terrible, that's awful. But a yeah. second ago you were, your Amazed. mind was blown. Yeah. Yep.
1: Because your imagination—it's kind of like the best horror films or like the best monster scare movies are the ones that are the darkest. Because you're using your psychological mind and your imagination to fill in the blanks, basically, of your own personal ha- horror—you know, a nightmare. So those are always the ones that stick the longest, too, for people. Same thing—it's that journey, basically, the symbiotic journey. It is tough because when you're demystifying, when you're demystifying um,
0: traits of magic you're going to have to deal with that for sure. Yeah. Well, there was that guy that, that magic guy with the, the Fox show and he wore the mask. Yeah. And
1: the magic's revealed.
0: And it's like, ah, no, I, I think they got to him. The magic guys. I think they killed him,
1: but did, did they? No, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen him. I think he was supposed to be like, uh, um, like one of the main dudes, like one of the main magic guys, um, in the industry. I think, um, I don't know, but I, I thought when I remember seeing those shows, I was like, okay, cool. And I thought, this is actually pretty good because what he's doing is he's dusting off the cobwebs and elevating the art form. And then you get the David Blaines, you know, like totally that whole another level. And I think it takes like the general hobbyist and it kind of says, okay, you're either going to be a hobbyist or you're going to be a professional. Because sometimes people straddle the edge between that hobbyist and professional realm. They're kind of like, I like VizFX, effects, but I like to play video games more and you're like well there you go you're gonna be a professional video game guy that's <laughs> a girl that plays video games all the time and maybe that'll lead you to something awesome who knows but there's also the time that you could spend being professional and learning tutorials and how to use the software and whatever getting better at drawing or design or whatever and that's just time allocations with based on priorities like we we're
0: talking about earlier but yeah i've never i never understood the idea that because of, you know, technology or innovation that somehow that would hurt the industry or hurt the idea of what people were creating like digital cameras. Now, all of a sudden everyone's a photographer. Well, two things, one, more people are photographers and now the top photographers, they're going to have to stand out. And I think when you look at like, you know, thinking of film and you look at some of the top cinematographers, it's, Night and day, it's yeah. not you know has nothing to do with everybody having a camera. If it changes the entry point, maybe there will be more people interested in it. But at the end of the day, it's the people who are the top tier that are yes. going to push it to the next level are always going to always. be on the top level. The no Cream what.
1: always rises. You know, you give a thousand people a uh, camera, you give and you give one to Roger Deakins. I mean, <laughs> he's going to do his forget thing, you know. And you yeah, it. you just forget about it. exactly. He's going to do what he does best, which is tell stories visually. And he's a master at that. And he's contributed mm-hmm. so much to the film medium. And you, if you just, if you don't believe it, just go watch it and you see the difference, you know, it's like a difference between all the nature photographers and you have Ansel Adams, you know, there's just, there's just a difference that happens there and you know it instantly when you see the work, it's just, mm-hmm. it goes right into your mind and you go, Whoa, this is appetizing, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely agree. Um, Books. Do you read books? I have that on my list. Do you read books much? And are there books that you enjoy that help you
0: be prolific or give you tools that you need? Yeah, I guess I've probably didn't read a lot of books early on. Um, but I've probably got more into biographies, Hmm. I guess, more recently. Got a good Uh, one or any good ones that you liked? Well, it was funny. You were talking about the Steve Jobs biography and that's a great one, you I I always wish, you know, there's always people who I find really interesting that are just more open. Like there are just certain people like Steve Jobs. He was one of these guys that was very open in his interviews, very honest, even to a fault. Yeah. And for me, I always like to hear from people who are going to put it out there. Like I don't, I don't, I don't like to listen to people who show the sort of clean, perfect sort of corporate side of their image. I like to see the real, the real, you know, the so-called real version of people. And there, there's, let me try to think of one I've read recently. Uh, Steve Job sure. ones is great, though. That's a great one. Well, it's, the inside really of that book, it's kind of unbelievable that that book exists. Like, yeah. It's just, it <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, it must have been a freaking
1: terror to make that. Just the, oh, the amount I can't of even imagine. Red tape you must, that person must have gone through just to bring that to, to fruition. But it's really interesting. Uh, it's really, uh, as a family person too, it's like just really interesting to see the level that he had to go through, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. I read the Elon Musk one, and then the, and then the um, Arnold Schwarzenegger one too, which are really mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. as well. So contemporary um, heroes, basically, or not heroes or villains or whatever people,
0: people that like them or not. So um, interesting people, nonetheless. And one so, of the things you said earlier about you know having uh you know having other artists in you know to teach the the class at uh at the school basically to be able to talk about different expertise yeah learn squared stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and mm. i think uh, that's a really kind of important thing that i always try to think about like when i go to the bookstore i try to look at books that are in different categories than what i might be interested in good should and be. you you see any person who's passionate about something that's interesting to me Mm -hmm. like people who are just all in about this one thing or that one thing yeah there there's always something to learn from people like that because they have a work ethic they have the dedication and the precision of of whatever they do and you can look at what they do and it's just like with the sushi uh chef yeah You, you can see things in, in their nature that apply or that can change the way that you think about something that you do. And that's why I still, you know, even like magazines or technical books or things like that, I just like to have them around. I got a really nice gift actually from my friend, Ryan Conley got me the Sal Bass, uh, like, uh, book of, of, of logo design and Mm -hmm. design. It's a good book. Yeah. And you just have that thing around because you just pop it open and for some reason it just it inspires something that you were thinking about and cuz he's you know, really good at what he does <laughs> he put a crazy <laughs> amount of passion and focus into his work yeah yeah exactly it's so timeless yeah i think having having resources around to be able to just inadvertently inspire you and to to catch you off guard from what you might be thinking about cuz it's it's just it's hard to just look at the stuff that we do all day And be inspired by that without, you know, getting stuck into a weird loop. Like you need to go outside of what what you love to, to, to get some perspective. And, you know, it's a total echo,
1: echo chamber. That's for sure. And being, I I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Being inspired by outside sources are so key. I love watching like nature channels and then weird other documentaries and stuff. The, The last weird documentary I watched was this thing called tickled. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, just watch it. It's so bizarre. So bizarre. So good, though. So good. Um, thoughts on software piracy. What's your thoughts on that? That's something that came up in the comments from people that wanted to know your thoughts on it. Dealing with that, you know, having an online business and then
0: knowing people are basically stealing it. Um, well, I can't really I can't really speak for other companies. But as far as sure, as far as what we do, um, you know, we, we just try to focus on creating good products that are affordable. Yeah. And you could try to worry about all of the different ways that it's going to be circumvented and and make it a hassle for your customers. And, um, you know, and, and I just don't really look at it that way. I don't necessarily see it as, um, a massive problem for us. I think we kind of benefit from, um, what I think is super cool, which is I've, you know, I've perused these sort of, uh, uh, pirating sites inadvertently, accidentally. I was looking for pirates of the Caribbean. Next thing you know, I'm on this, where (laughs) it's
1: pirates of the Caribbean Bay. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) No, but you see, you see people talking about like element or something like that. And I got to tell you, it's the craziest thing. But you'll yeah. see people defending video Copilot and saying, hey, man, you guys should support him. He does all this free stuff and does all this cool stuff. So if yeah. you can support him and that I don't know, just that that's stuff cool. blows,
1: me away, blows have, me away. You have, you have good um, you have a good fandom fan base. And and I think that's that's the best way. And that's how we approach it, too. We're just like you can't fight it. It's just like getting mad that it rained. It's kind of like mm, it is what it is. You've got to just grab an
0: umbrella and go do your, whatever you gotta do, you know? So yeah. yeah. Focus the value on your content and the time on the content. I think, I think there's enough people who are willing to pay for quality content for a fair price. And if you focus too much on, you know, I mean, there, there are certain industries, I won't even name what industries, but there are industries that are losing this battle precisely because of, not not thinking about the customers who are wanting to buy it and they're thinking about the the piracy and again i don't pretend to understand the full ins and outs of that so i don't want to speak for that but i agree though i've seen the same thing going on it's a
1: pattern and it's going to eat itself alive if it's not if it's not self self-aware it's self-checking you know so one of the smartest things i think adobe did was go monthly so smart so smart like instead of like this huge barrier of entry for people that not they're not going to have like four five thousand dollars for this thing you know it's like oh you just pay a small sum every month it eventually equals out and then some it's just ah it's so smart you know
0: yeah I think you know I understand I understand the complaint on sort of both sides of that and people who you know feel a little discouraged by it. I think the value, um, especially sort of looking at it in retrospect is, you know, the value you get for all of the software, I think it's worth it. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, I understand some people who feel like they're, they're not necessarily in it on that same level, um, to where they want to maintain the, the, the cost of something. Um, but, uh, if nothing, it gives a much more flexible, Barrier of entrance to people who want to get into it. And at the same time, it helps to maintain the, uh, you know, the value of the software moving forward. And of course that's, that's, I think what customers, that's what we need to do is sort of make sure that we're reaching out to, uh, Adobe and letting them know the things that, that we need and the things that we're seeing because they do tend to listen, but you just have to make sure that in a nice way you're letting people, you know. Letting them know that there are things that you need. Yeah.
1: No, great. couple last questions and we'll wrap it up. Good. Sure.
0: Awesome. Okay. Uh,
1: what's a perfect day for you? What's a good flow? Like how's it work? Do you get sleep and you wake up and there's a certain amount of fraction time for different things? What, what's that perfect day for
0: you? And have you experienced it? Sure. I think waking up from not sleeping too much okay. is always, I Never want to sleep too much because then I feel like I have my whole day but I'm not going to crash early. So waking up, maybe getting about seven, seven and a half hours of sleep always feels good. I will uh, brew myself a uh, nice espresso in the morning, maybe have uh, you know some oatmeal or something like that, just kind of get the day started, check my emails, see what's going on, have a few meetings, calls. After lunch is when I really start to sort of focus on what I want to accomplish. And I kind of tend to work more from about 2 p.m. to about 2 a.m. Obviously, kids come home from school and, you know, put the kids to bed and, uh, you know, hang out with them, do stuff. But I just try to focus on one thing during the day that I want to try to get done or get to. And you know, like right now I'm doing some visual effects and I have sort of just a handful of visual effects and working on visual effects is just fun for me because you put on some music, you don't have to, you don't like when you're doing editing, for example, you have to listen to everything and you have to focus on it and play it back and play it back. But to do visual effects, putting on music and just zoning out, to all of the sliders and changing stuff and tweaking it and trying new stuff. That is just peaceful for me. Mm. It just is, it progresses nicely. I'm not distracted by it. There's no pressure. I just feel very in the zone when I'm, you know, doing 3d or doing uh, compositing or whatever. I just feel like I'm just chugging along and at the end of it, I have some nice progress.
1: Mm. Awesome. That's great. And do you uh, find yourself getting close to that on a weekly basis, daily basis. How, how how much of your time in a month or a week are you able to hit that kind of flow?
0: I f- I think right now it's it's about fifty fifty, which pretty is awesome. good. Yeah. Which is yeah, exactly. It's pretty good. It's taking you a while to get there, right? It has taken a while, and and how again, many years have you been at this and the Visifex stuff? Uh, I guess. I mean video copilot is twelve years. Yeah. Is, that, is it twelve years? Two thousand five. So, so it's
1: been twelve years of just kind of figuring it out and getting that flow.
0: Yeah, and I'm still not totally figured out to be to be sure. But sure. Uh, there is a there is a perfect day. And the more you know you sort of work towards a nice balance, you know, the fewer sort of insane, crazy days you have. Mm. And and that's really I think the balance. It's not it's just to keep those spikes uh, from showing up too frequently. Awesome. You have any key moments
1: or memorable stories or just kind of key things that, um, that you've shared working with JJ Abrams. I've heard great things about working with him. So got any key moments that you're like, that was really great or really interesting. The first time you met him or working directly with somebody as, as big as, as him taking on such projects as star Wars and star Trek and all that kind of stuff.
0: Um, yeah, uh, I would, Uh, echo those, nothing but great experience working with him. And I think, I think what set him apart from sort of other creative people that I've worked with is just the amount of, you know, personal attention. Like he just really cares about the things that he's working on and, and, and the artists that are working on things. So it was always cool to work with him because you could, you could ask him about stuff. You could ask him about how, you know, like, how do you deal with this? How do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? And, you know, he would just share some thoughts and he would just, he would just be super open um, and friendly. And, um, you know, for me, it was always motivating to work with him because he always inspired you to think bigger and to go past, you know, what you were comfortable with doing and gave you that flexibility. Mm. And you never felt like, You don't wanna risk doing something that is gonna be weird or awkward. He would always, um, you know, anytime there'd be like changes or things, like it was just always, you never felt like, oh, I didn't like my work. You never felt discouraged. That's great. there's just something about that that helped helped me become more ambitious because I never felt like, I don't want to go outside of my comfort zone and do something that isn't as good or that doesn't deliver. There was, you know, nothing but growth and, and particularly, um, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, working on star Wars, working on, uh, star Trek, like it, it was just, uh, a complete career changer for me because I got to be a lot closer to a lot of things that were being developed. You know, like as a filmmaker, there's nothing more motivating than watching somebody else make a film. Mm. Yeah. And you see this and you're just it's like awesome. oh, at that, that big of a scale too you're just like wow what a behemoth you know yeah exactly exactly and so to see all of the things that go into it um and you know and, and he was always very inviting to the process and that's awesome so i i've heard I, great i can't things of, that guy and, yeah i heard he's just a
1: sweetheart really great to work with very open and very um like allows you to lo- like loosens up the leash almost basically and like isn't super controlling. I mean, he gets good results because he, he has that ability to work with others. Cause that's really what a director is, is communicator and, um, somebody that gets the best out of his team his, his or her team. Yeah. Awesome. Last question. You ready? Sure. Is your body ready for this last question? Um, it's just, uh, your goals for the future. Where are you at in five to 10 years from
0: now? And do you think that far along? I didn't, um, I see my voice is a little, <clears throat> I didn't used to think that far along, but I've begun thinking a little bit further along. Um, Let me get some water. I'd like to be able to do more filmmaking, but in the next five years, we're working on some new software and some things that I'm excited to sort of finish. And part of creating software is... Showing people how that software works. Sure. And so my hope is in, you know, in the short term, in the next six months, really being able to roll out some of that stuff and the platform that we're sort of developing, we think can be something really useful to a wide range of digital artists. And so I want to be able to focus on creating tools that will empower other people and then at the same time, I'd like to be able to just kind of keep what I've been doing and take on these sort of short film projects to sort of continue to develop my skills, develop the technology that we're working on. And, uh, you know, I'd love to direct a feature. And uh, I think just Video Copilot is a great vehicle for all of those different things because we have this great community. We, we have. You know, uh, our business incentive to innovate. Like creating innovative software is good for business, if you can believe that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Well, there you go, guys. You get in the, and appreciate it. Thank you for spending the time with us and awesome. Great flow, and great interview. I really appreciate you being here and spending the time. And yeah, I'm wishing you the best and possibly us working together at some point. I, I imagine our paths are going to cross eventually somehow.
0: So. Yeah, i love that, man. Thank you again.
1: And there you have it, everybody. That's the end of this week's episode. Big thank yous to Andrew for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 151, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Go out there, everybody. Be amazing. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out, everyone.